Podcasting from anywhere other than a jail cell, this is Soberholic, a podcast created to encourage, equip, and inspire you to overcome your hurts, habits, and hangups. And now, your show hosts, Roger and Jason. Welcome back, Soberholics. I'm back in studio with Jason. What's up, man? What's up? Well, today has been one of those days, right? Um, we've been friends for years, but I've got the opportunity to kind of ride around and hang out with you. And our listeners heard several months back that you bought a house, and I got to see your house today. Yeah, I know. And then I got to see your house, too. I, I know. You'd never seen mine, right? Nope. I got to see your dog, too, and I want the listeners to know about your dog. Oh, no. Because you've got a dog, like you've always told me you love this dog, oh, but I can her. see why you like him now. Why? Because your dog bit my nipple, dude. <laughs> I mean, what do you teach your dog to do? We did not teach him that. Uh, well, he did. Like, he literally bit me on my nipple. <laughs> I've never had a dog do this before in my life. I have nothing to say about that. Well, you, you made him do it or something. <laughs> I did not rub was, peanut butter there or something. Some, something you did. <laughs> well, enough about your nipple-biting dog. I, I think that we're going to leave him where he's at, and he is not welcome here in studio anymore. <laughs> no. But anyways, I'm really excited about today because today we get to talk about gratitude. And we've talked a little bit about gratitude in probably every episode we've ever done because it's that important to our recovery. And even if you're not in recovery, gratitude is just an important thing to have every day. Oh, yeah. And and for me, it's important because I don't, I don't accept, you know, change very well. And especially whenever I'm having a change of, of of circumstances in my life it'll usually take me a few days to kind of accept whatever it is um that is changing and the way i always kind of accept it and get through it is through gratitude um you know there there was something that happened here recently that was kind of hard to to accept and it wasn't anything really bad or earth shattering but something didn't go my way and I was, I was like, man, I was mad. I was kind of angry for a little bit, but then that's where the gratitude kicked in. And I, and I realized I was like, you know, it's not that big a deal. Things, things are going really good right now. And I thought back to just six years ago where I was, you know, strung out on drugs and, and just had no hope at all in life. Didn't think I was ever going to make anything out of my life and was even just didn't even want to live anymore. Didn't even want to wake up in the morning and comparing that to where I am now and just, you know, how wonderful my life is. I mean, that was gratitude at work. Speaking of six years, you just got your sobriety just, yeah. um, coin, didn't you? Yeah, I just got six years. Yeah. What's your sobriety date? It is June 21st, 2013. June 21st. So did you, I know you got it when you was visiting our CR group and I didn't even know that you were coming to get it. I mean, like <laughs> at all, it was took me by surprise. Did, did you remember when it come up? Cause like for me, it's been a few years and like, I, I honestly kind of forget my sobriety date. When yeah. It's coming up. I, I kind of like, I was sitting there thinking and all of a sudden I looked at my watch and saw the date and I was like, Oh oh yeah. I had six years like a few days ago. To me, the time thing is not something I, really focus on you know much anymore um but i mean early on it it really helped to to help me propel myself in in my recovery and to keep going trying to get that six months and that year oh, i was counting it minute Man, by minute early on in recovery it really it really helped me a lot you know to get those markers you know early on in reco- recovery but to 
to me now, it's not that it doesn't mean anything. It's just, you know, it's not, it's not everything. You're less focused on a date and more so focused on a lifestyle. Right. You know, I think that's what really we do on this podcast is talk about the lifestyle that we try to live today. And we by no means have got it figured out, but I think that um, gratitude is one of the main players in how we can live a, a good life in recovery. And so why don't you start us off on some, some ways that we can be grateful. So one way is don't be picky. So to me, I think about expectations, and I think I've talked about this before, but when you set your expectations for something, you know, whether it's a new job or you're you know, or, you know, if I get this new house or this vacation that's coming up is going to be this or expectations of a, of a relationship like your wife or your husband or your children, when you set them just so high, you know, you're kind of setting yourself up to be picky. And because when the actual real life event happens, you know, you've built into your mind all these ways that's wrong. And so you try to pick it apart. And, you know, that's anybody who's ever been out to eat with a picky eater knows that this is you're, you're headed down a dark road. Every one of my kids, (laughs) every one of them, it makes the experience less enjoyable when you're, when you're out to eat with a picky eater. And the same thing is true with life. You know, if you're, if you're experiencing your day-to-day life with all these unrealistic expectations, and then when they don't happen, you know, you're, you're let down and you can even have resentment against those things. Well, when you think, when you say, don't be picky, I think about just being content. Yeah. And for me, I mean, every year I usually try to focus on a word and that's kind of what I've kind of honed in on this year is just being content because I'm never content. There's never enough money. There's never enough time. There's never enough anything. But I'll tell myself if I can just get to this point, then I'll be happy. If I get this much money in the bank, I'll be happy. If I could just get this many hours off from work, then I would be happy. But every time I get to that number, I'm push the goal back. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm not happy, and so I've just got to be grateful for what I do have. I'm grateful that there are, there is some money in my account. I'm grateful that I get the opportunity to spend time with my family today, rather than you know having to work all day long every day. I think that is a trap that so many people in recovery fall into, thinking that well, once I get a couple of years sober, you know, or once I get this job or, you know, once I get in a good relationship or once I get, you know, passed all my court stuff or whatever. And, or if you're struggling with food addiction, once I get to this weight, then I'll be, I'll be content. But inevitably you always get there. And if you're like me and Roger, then you get there and you just push the goalposts back further. I always kind of envisioned in my mind that whenever I set one of those goals, like a marching band coming out and being like, and then like lights flashing up in the air saying, you can start your life now, you know? And every time it happens, I'm like, no, the band's, the band's not coming out. You know, it's just not going to exactly right. But my life, my life is now I'm living now and I need to, you know, make the most of the present and be grateful for what I have in the present. How about this? Because when I first got sober, I mean, thinking about, I love this show because I I think back to those first days. Because 
Um, it's been a little while since my last drunk, my last drunk. And I know I'm just one drink away from my next one. Right. But I think back to those days and I would have given anything just to be sober. And then when I got sober, I was like, you know, I'm looking at all my buddies that didn't do drugs and live the lifestyle I did. And, and they had so many better things. They had gotten married, maybe already had kids, already had a car and, you know, a house and all these other a good paying job and I'm, I'm weeding through my, you know, color at task and drug court <laughs> and, you know, trying to figure out if I'm going to prison yet or not. And, and I, I wasn't grateful for any of the things. I mean, I, I had sobriety, the one thing that I wanted and I wasn't grateful for it. And so I think if I'm looking at, um, my recovery in terms of being not too picky about where I'm at and being grateful for, the smaller steps that I've taken, then my recovery is going to be better. Yeah. And another place I see the pickiness is just in going to initial treatment in the beginning, you know, choosing a rehab. I have been so guilty of whenever I needed to go to treatment, you know, saying, well, no, I don't know about this place. This, this place does this and I don't really like that. And then even when I go to a place, when I'm there, I'm trying to tell them how to help me when I'm the one that called them. And so especially early on in sobriety, being picky, it's it's not going to be good a, a good way to start your recovery off. True. So what's our second one? So the second one is keeping a gratitude journal or just journaling. But um, I found that making a gratitude list whenever I'm feeling ungrateful uh, I did this Thursday, well, no, Wednesday morning. I made myself one, and it really does help. Because when you write down the things that you're grateful for and you see them on paper, they're I don't know why, but they're kind of more real uh, for me. Uh, last year sometime, my wife, I was kind of down. I was kind of depressed about something, and she kind of made a gratitude list for me. Actually, it's... It's hanging up back there. And it was, it was kind of like a timeline of the last four years of my life that she made. And and each one of them, you know, that I read, each marker on those four years, you know, really made me look back at the past and go, wow, I have so much to be grateful for. And so, you know, she really helped me in that regard. But I, whenever I make a, a gratitude list of my own, you know, it really helps me to kind of put put thing put things in perspective, you know, and not dwell on the little bitty things that I'm worried about. When we do a gratitude list um, or gratitude journal, however you want to, whatever you want to call it, it, it refocuses us to where we're looking at what God has done. It, in my life, it's easier for me to see what God hasn't done. Oh, yeah. And that's the majority of my life is thinking what God has not (laughs) done yet and the prayers he has not answered. Even though he has answered just humongous, ginormous prayers in my life, I I forget that he's done those things. And I mean, we're talking prayers that Lord, you know, if, if you, if, if this was to happen in my life, there is no doubt you would be real in my life. And before it's over with, or after that, that comes to fruition or whatever that I see it happen, I'm already going, Lord, I I just don't know. I just, (laughs) I I don't Are you even real? (laughs) And I forget. I mean, that's how crazy, how, how, how quick I can lose my faith. But 
for me, when I do this, this journaling, we've talked about this many times on our show and because the things that we do are not very complicated. You know, right. so many times people think it's so complicated to get this new mindset or perception, um, of what we're doing, but it's just a way of refocusing us. And so what I do is not really a journal because I'm just not that good at doing that is that I, I've got like a, it's a planner and it gives you a small little section to write in for that day. And it's already laid out with your days and everything. And so I go in there and write just a couple of sentences of what's going on. Sometimes it's good. And sometimes it's bad. I'm just, it's an open letter to God, if you will. And how I use that is a, for a gratitude journal is that when things get bad, I flip back through that and I get to see just mm-hmm. like those points that you were talking about that Dakota helped you with. I see where God had answered prayers or done things that I thought was impossible, Yeah, but he's still answering prayers, man. Yeah. And I've never gotten done with a gratitude list and still been angry. You know, I've never, I've never gone into one and be like, I don't know about this. <laughs> okay. I'm done. I'm still mad. <laughs> You know, I've always, I've always gotten done with it and, and it helped me pause and refocus and be, and just look at what God has done. Well, number three is just simply spending time with your family early in recovery. Again, this is one of those things that I wanted so, so desperately. My parents at that time, I got sober in my twenties. I was trying to think exactly when it was. I think it's twenty four, twenty six, somewhere around there is when I, I got sober. I came out of the military and so I was kind of back on to my parents' doorstep. I'd been out of the military maybe a year, so it was still hard to get my footing because I was doing drugs and so it's hard to get your footing anywhere well, doing drugs. Yeah. But um I had lost my hand too and I was learning how to deal with life again. And my parents had not wrote me off yet. However, they had almost wrote one another off because my mom was the enabler and my dad was the one ready to wash his hands off me. And my dad really just, I didn't realize how much I had, how much damage I had caused. Anyways, fast forward, I got sober and I started spending all this time with my father. At about two years sober, I got married to my wife, Amanda. And my dad asked him to be my best man at my wedding, which was a huge deal because, again, my dad was the one who was done with me. Wow. And, you know, again, these are one of those prayers that God answered. But I say all this to say this is when I was spending time with my family, my dad turned into not just my best man, but my best friend. And we did everything together. To this day, we hunt together. You know, we, we do we do a lot together. And a lot of that was because I was afraid that I was going to lose all them years that I shoved him to the side. And so we do a lot of stuff together, just fun stuff that you would normally, you and I would normally do or whatever. And I was joking with him one day, telling him about all of that and saying, dad, I just, you know, I want to make up for all the time. And my dad's as sarcastic as I am. He says, look, <laughs> son, we're even, we're even, you ain't, you ain't got to come around here no more. You just go do your thing. And he said it jokingly, but, um, it's cool that I get to spend that time with not only my parents because they're still alive. I'm blessed with that because it won't be too much longer. I won't have them, and I'm beginning to see that. And then with my own family now that God has blessed me with, my wife and my children, I get to spend time with them because a lot of time I've run around trying to do different things, maybe to earn more money or to do this or that to get my life back the way I think it should be while I'm neglecting my kids. And so I, in order to be grateful, I need to, to be mindful about what God is, has given me. 
I'm over here taking notes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, you know, I kind of can lean towards being a workaholic sometimes. Um, but I am thankful for my relationship with all of my family members now. And, but I did need to hear that, that I need to, you know, be a little bit more balanced with everything because there is still that element within me that I'm trying to make up for lost time. You know, my whole twenties was a wash, uh, due to drugs and alcohol. And so, you know, there's that, I, I need to catch up or whatever. It's still there. It's not as bad as it used to be, but it's still, still sort of there. But my relationship with my family now compared to where it was a few years ago has come so far and my family actually wants to be around me, which is, you know, just that is saying a lot. Do they still have their wallets on chains? Yeah, no, they don't. <laughs> you almost but, said yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it got really bad there for a long time. And, but I did have some, you know, family members that, that stood by me and were always helpful. were always praying for me. And, um, you know, now being able to spend time with them, like, um, you know, on the holidays and even on, not on the holidays and stuff, you know, is just a blessing from God. Well, what about this one? When we're looking at these waves of being grateful, uh, the number four thing that we come up with is just not falling into the social media trap. Talk to us a little bit about Ooh, it. Oh, man. I've, I think the social media thing, landscape today is just set up for you to compare yourself with other people. You know, people present maybe not necessarily on purpose, but they present this, this image of themselves or their family of, Hey, we have this perfect family or I'm living this perfect life. Look how glamorous it is. You can edit, you can put filters on your photos to make yourself look better. And so it presents a, a, a false you know, I'm going to say a word here that I hope I pronounce right, but a false dichotomy. That was a big word. Yeah, it was a big one, huh? The word of the day, dichotomy. <laughs> it pre presents a false picture of, of what reality is. And so their reality can be totally different than what you see on social media. And so when you're scrolling through, you see that even though I know that, I know that that's probably not the way their real life is. I still will compare myself to that. I have no idea why, but I mean, you know, that's one of the um, one of the Ten Commandments is don't covet your neighbor. So I mean, so, this is as old as as the book itself. This is not something that's just happened. My wife and I we've talked about this because you'll you'll Facebook is the one we use the most of around our house because well, we're my old. wife yeah my kids now they <laughs> snapchat and instagram and do everything else but me and my wife we use facebook a lot and with it we notice that we've caught ourselves looking through pictures of our friends or and even they're not even friends they're people i hadn't even seen since high school but right. i've liked them and we're friends there but we haven't talked in over 20 years and they took their kids to say disney world and i'm like we didn't do a disney world trip this year <laughs> 
Well, I wish I could go to yeah. Disney World yeah. Uh, yeah. three times a year. Yeah, yeah then or you know, we'll go to the zoo, and I've got to put all my zoo pictures on there, like to show somebody else. I do things with my kids too. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> take that. It, it's crazy though, because that's exactly what I'm doing: is comparing myself to other people rather than just being grateful that I can afford enough money to have a phone today. Right. That was a long time. I couldn't afford a phone because I'd done smoked too much dope, you know? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> if we're going to compare things, I don't think that comparing ourselves on social media would be a good avenue to invest our time in. And then the other side of that, too, is just the amount of time you're spending on social media, too. I, I know whenever um, – my phone, they did this update and it came out with the screen time thing. And I saw how much time I was spending. How on much it. is that time? Tell us, it's Jason. It's gone down. How much? It's gone down. Around how much? Because I know you don't know just off the top of your head. I think it's like an hour and an hour and a mm. half or something. Ooh, I shouldn't have asked you this because you're going to ask me now. But I do. I'm on there some for work stuff too. Oh, that's so. what mine is too. It's all work. <laughs> is it? <laughs> Because that was like two and a half, three hours on Yeah. That. I mean, but my screen time was like way up there across everything, all different types of stuff, even including work stuff. And I was like, man, I'm just staring at a screen all day long. And, but it, it kind of helped me recognize how much I'm, I'm on social media. And I toned down a little bit. I'm sure I have way more um, progress to making that. But, you know, that's, that's just time that I'm, you know, setting myself up just to compare myself to others. And so, and it's also time that I could be spending, you know, keeping a journal, writing a gratitude list, praying, you know, doing my daily devotion, those type things. How about this? Because I know your your daughter doesn't live with you all the time, but um, I, I've got all mine and my littlest one's seven and she'll, she like, she's still that age where she's always wants to be with dad, laid up on dad's lap, Aww. you know, snuggled up. And I love it. I do. I mean, it's a little girl, Brooklyn. She, I mean, she is like a, just a cuddle bug. And so she's always cuddled up on me and I'll just, we'll be watching SpongeBob or something on TV. And then I'll just kind of be scrolling through my phone, like just mindlessly scrolling, looking at other people. You know, that's really what you're doing if you're on social media to right. begin with. And so I'm just scrolling through there. Look, and, and like we were just talking about, I can find myself going, wow, I wish I could go do that with my kids. I just don't have time to do that with my kids. <laughs> and my daughter's literally laying in my lap and I'm looking at, at other people's life of what they're doing. Yeah. And then I'll catch myself going, you know, I, we could go outside and play ball. Or, yeah. It's too hot. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. Yeah. And so I think that for me, especially me, boy, this was driving it home for me that if I'm going to be grateful, then I need to, to, to really take my time with my family seriously. Yeah. And we could probably do, as a side note, we could probably do a whole show on like phone addiction, internet addiction too someday. Oh, there, there is no <laughs> doubt I've got time to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So what about the last one we come up with? The last one is volunteering your time and helping others. And I think um, that is one of the best ways to have gratitude about your own life. Because when, for one, when you're helping somebody, you're not thinking about yourself. You know, you're you're hopefully helping them for, for a, you know, with a good hearted motive behind it you're not just helping them so you can take a selfie of yourself 
helping them and post that to social media. But <laughs> oh wow, no people do that. I know they do, but I'm sitting there thinking, wow, if that I've never seen that as the motive. But you're probably right. Somebody's doing that. that I mean, but I've I've seen that. I just I just think, wow, because I bet you there are those that actually literally just this is the only reason I've done that and. That's really a sad way to have to live if yeah. it's all about a picture, an image. But there's there's always somebody who is less fortunate than you. Always. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter how far down you are. Somebody has it worse than you. And so when you help somebody that's less fortunate than you, it makes makes you thankful, you know, for what you do have. And and hopefully, you know, when you're helping somebody that's less fortunate, you know, it, it makes you want to to be selfless and give more to them. And I've never helped somebody and regretted it. You know, I've never helped somebody that was less fortunate than me and go, you know, that was a waste of my time. It's never happened to me. I'll tell you a cool thing. I don't tell a lot of people this. Maybe this is me taking a picture of my family <laughs> and putting it on, on the air. But my little girl that I was talking about, the little cuddle bug, Brooklyn, um, I don't know if this is in all churches or not. I think Samaritan Purse puts it on, but the Operation Christmas Child, yeah. They put put that on, and um, our church is real big into that. And my wife kind of helped my daughter get into this. And in, with that, you pack a shoebox full of just little knickknack toys and stuff. And they use this little box to share the gospel all around the world. Well, we personally have friends, and and you know them, friends, Andy and and Donna Thomason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Donna, she used to live in Romania. She was she was the recipient of one of those boxes at one time. I didn't know that. Yeah, and so huh. she, we knew they were really good friends with them. So we heard how much this blessed her and helped her in her faith and so many different things. But that led us to see that there was an importance to do this. And so my little girl, she now. She works all the time around the house. I say all the time, like she'll unload the dishwasher. And so she gets like a dollar a week for allowance to unload the dishwasher. She's seven. I can't make her go cut the grass or, you know, (laughs) not yet. Yeah, not yet. It's coming. (laughs) But so she'll do this for her, her allowance, a dollar a week. And she saves all of her money all year long to pack shoe boxes to send them across the world. Wow. And that's such a cool thing that she's willing to do those things. And I pray that she continues to do that when she gets older and older and continues to give, because I believe that all of us, when we're giving to other people, then it's a, it's easy to see that what we have, we have an abundance, especially here in the U.S. Man, yeah. If you've ever been on any sort of a mission trip, man, they don't – I've been to Costa Rica, and when you say Costa Rica, you think great, beautiful beaches, but if you go into San Jose there in the capital and on the outskirts of that – they don't waste a piece of tin, man. I right. mean, even if it's rusted through with a hole, they'll double that thing up on something else. It just the stuff we throw away is just unreal compared to what other countries yeah. are like. And what I've found with helping others and showing people mercy is it's like helping spawns helping. Like when you show somebody mercy and you help them, like it it kind of starts a process where they do it have you ever been in in like a drive-through fast food drive-through line and somebody ahead of you pays for your meal right and then what do you do you you pay for the next person so it's kind of like the butterfly effect it's like the butterfly effect i've seen that a lot where you know when you do it it kind of just it keeps keeps on going but also when you you never know what small act of kindness 
or helping somebody else or showing them mercy. It could be the smallest thing, and it can mean so much to somebody. I don't know. I think it was a couple months ago I was out to eat somewhere, and we asked our waitress if we could pray for her. And she just broke down crying and just, like, spilled her guts to us. I was kind of worried, you know, that her, her manager was going to be like, you're kind of taking too much time over there. Right. But, um, and all we did was just say, can we pray for you? It, it was simple. It didn't really take much effort on our part. And so you never know what small act like that can really mean to somebody and, and can make a, a, a difference not only in their day, but in their life. Oh, no doubt. And that, I, I, I wasn't aware of that at all, that situation or whatever. But, you know, you look at how that impacted that lady. My guess is there's going to be a time in her life where she stops to ask someone else if she could pray with them because of the impact you and your wife made in her life. And that's what we're talking about, the butterfly effect of just, you know, what you do kind of carries on from one person to the next. And so just your act of kindness was is in maybe helping people across the, the world because it's been passed on from one person to the next. Yeah. That's just an awesome, awesome thing. Yeah. And I mean, with gratitude, you know, if you, if you develop a routine of regularly cultivating an attitude of gratitude, I've always kind of not liked that phrase, but it works. Attitude of gratitude. If you practice this, it might not come natural to you. And I still have a long way to go on it, but it is something that I can say is a regular part of my recovery and my walk with, with the Lord is is stopping and, and and making sure that I'm in a grateful place uh, with my walk with God and with my life. And without it, I don't know where I would be if I wasn't practicing gratitude on on a regular basis. Well, that attitude of gratitude to me is a is a perspective that you have to have on life and. I'm a cynic. I just am. When If you look at me, if you know the people, my sponsors, all I've ever had, they've all labeled me as a cynic. <laughs> I find the worst in everything. Although if I talk, you may think that I'm just always looking for the best, and, and I do want to. Genuinely, I know that it's better for me, and I need to, but I have to force myself into an attitude to look for the better in other people. And I was just telling my kids this other day, they were talking about a particular instance at their work and some situations that were going on. And some of the things I've learned in recovery is, especially through the resentments that I've worked through, is I found out that hurt people hurt people. And so if I've got I've got to look at whatever's going on in my life through their point of view and mm-hmm. through their eyes. And by doing that, I can see it differently. So for me, all of these things that we're talking about, let me see my recovery in my life from a different perspective. Rather than seeing what I haven't got, I get to see what I have got. One of uh, my wife's sponsors, she would always tell her, you don't have to, you get to. Mm. And that has always just rang in my in my ears. Anytime that I get so down and upset and just ungrateful, I don't have to do any of this. I get to do this today. And the reason I get to do it is because I'm not locked up in prison where I deserve because that's, that's the life that I lived. And so I am so grateful each, each and every day. Sometimes it takes a little momentum to get to there that day. Yeah. But you know, these are some reminders that I find in my life that help me 
keep a heart of, of gratitude. And it helps us stay balanced too, and not just always focus on, on the negative. So if you're out there listening, go home today, make a gratitude list. And, uh, if it doesn't work, then we'll, we'll refund your money. And, um, I think, and write that to Jason. He yeah. will he will be be I'll sure to re, re, write all those refund checks. At yeah. Soberholicpodcast at gmail dot com. <laughs> Attention, Jason Rice. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, we thank you for another hour of your time or thirty forty five minutes. I don't know how long we talked today, but whatever 30 it minutes. was, thirty minutes. Yeah. Well, thank you for thirty minutes of willing to come in here and listen to us, and we hope that you you grabbed a few little nuggets that may make your life a little bit better. So, Jason, that's another one, buddy. All right. Signing off. We're out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics.